pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Imagine a tick bite stealing your childhood, making you crazy, and almost killing you. This is how our first guest, Allie Hilfiger, the daughter of designer Tommy Hilfiger, describes her painful experience with Lyme disease. In fact, her story is detailed in her book called Bite Me. It's frightening to hear that the Centers for Disease Control report that Lyme disease is the fastest-growing vector-borne disease in America. About 10 to 20 percent of patients develop the chronic form of the disease called post-Lyme disease syndrome. This can cause headaches, migrating joint and muscle pain, and even shooting pain down the arms or legs, as well as stinging pain in the feet. It can even lead to sleep disturbances, extreme fatigue, and memory impairment. All of this from bacteria that are transmitted by the bite of an infected tick the size of a pinhead. With the right treatments, though, the pain and other symptoms can be controlled. We'll delve much more into treatments on today's show, in fact. Allie Hilfiger continues to share her 20-year struggle with beating post-Lyme disease syndrome and offering hope for overcoming the disease. Then Dr. Harriet Katsouris joins us once again. She's the Chief Scientific Officer for Global Lyme Alliance. The organization focuses on conquering tick-borne disease through research and education. Dr. Katsouris will give us the latest on risk, diagnosis, and effective treatments for Lyme disease. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Teva Pharmaceuticals, The Pain Community, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Allie Hilfiger is a producer, actress, fashion designer, writer, and Lyme disease survivor. She starred in Rich Girls for MTV, produced the feature film Proud in the House with Allie Hilfiger on NTW in Nantucket, and was featured in the documentary Dressed. She's the daughter of designer Tommy Hilfiger and currently lives in Los Angeles. Allie, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Hi, thank you for having me. On our last show, you talked about the symptoms of Lyme disease beginning at the young age of seven after you were bitten by a tick. You had joint and muscle pain, your legs and knees hurt, and you had headaches. Nobody knew what was going on. The results of testing the tick for Lyme bacteria were inconclusive, as were your blood tests. School became a struggle, and I was struck by what you were thinking one morning as your nanny tried to get you out of bed for school. Uh, You were wishing that you could be healthy. And in your book, you said, maybe nobody would notice that the teacher had to explain fractions to me again and again. Maybe no one would notice that I winced when I ran 
or when I stood up after sitting for too long, or even when I was just standing for a period of time, maybe no one would notice that my smile was a mask, that my vivacious personality was a ruse. Maybe no one would notice how much I hurt. What's going through your mind after hearing those words? And my heart breaks for that child. Yeah. And it, it's just so sad that I had to live alone with these symptoms and these thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was writing the book, I was able to gain a very clear perspective on all of that. Sure. It was a healing process, and now I am able to heal that, that hurt, sick child. I'm really glad to hear that. Allie, I, I see some patients with post-Lyme disease syndrome who, who will tell me that they have shooting leg pain and sometimes shooting arm pain, or they'll feel stinging pain in their, in their legs or, the, or their feet. The broad term for this would be neuropathic pain. Did you experience that yourself? I did. There was one point in which I wouldn't be able to dry myself off with a towel or put lotion on my body Mm because it felt like I had been beaten up with a baseball bat, like I had internal bruises all over and my skin was sensitive. I couldn't wear certain fabrics because my skin was so sensitive. It would make me want to scream. The technical term for that is something called allodynia, which is pain from something that should not ordinarily be painful, like a towel, for example, or, or light touch. Could you describe other symptoms of Lyme disease for us? You basically feel like you have a terrible flu on top of a hangover. (laughs) (laughs) What about light and sound sensitivity? The light and sound sensitivity would go off and on. Sometimes certain noises, even certain types of music, I wouldn't be able to tolerate. Mm -hmm. I would have to watch nonviolent TV shows. I mean, the sound of a gun is very... I, I, I can't handle it. Yeah. There were times when I did feel like there were fire spiders inside of my body. Mm. It wasn't constant, thank God. Thank goodness. Allie, it sounds like you had primarily a lot of joint pain, especially in your knees, but throughout your body. I think that I actually had a low-grade, constant, dull pain in my joints, Mm -hmm. but I only noticed it when it became excruciating. Because I was, I was, it was impossible not to be vocal about it. And that's when my parents would put me into baths and give me massages and everything. Well, Allie, let's now shift to those therapies that you found the most useful. You talk about smoking quite a bit of marijuana because it was the only thing that helped your joint pain. Yep, it helped. It helped a lot. Um, but I think that the marijuana also made me extra foggy, like increased the brain fog, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. So if you're okay with that, then yeah, I think that, I mean, I had severe nausea associated with Lyme, and that really was like a real medicine for me. You know, yoga. Yoga, yoga, yoga helped my joints more than anything. Mm -hmm. Yoga and salt baths. I know that today, Motrin helps with your joint pain. How about acupuncture? Acupuncture was great, but I'm definitely afraid of needles. (laughs) As soon as the needle would come toward me, I would feel it, and I would tense up and freak out. I mean, I didn't like the needles, yeah. but it really did help when I got it. You're not scared of those itty-bitty needles that don't feel like anything, then go for it. <laughs> right. I know that you mentioned uh, to me before that massage therapy was helpful for you. Anything else? I was not able to, to get better and come to a place of manageability until I properly detoxed my body. Mm-hmm. This is like the number one headliner. 
I mean detox diet, cleanse, enemas, vitamins, homeopathics, and herbs to lower the toxicity levels in the body. Mm -hmm. No nail polish, no hairspray, things like that. You really keep your toxicity level low for a while. And if you can detox and bring your toxicity in your body low, then you're ready to really boost the immune system. Now, in addition to reducing toxicity levels, I'm curious, have you ever or did you ever try electromagnetic therapy? I mean, I have a wonderful mat. Oh, an IMRS, pulsating magnetic mat. Okay. Yeah. They use it with NASA astronauts to ground them and polarize them. I believe in all of these alternative therapies because I've seen them work. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned in your book the power of the mind in conquering the battles associated with Lyme disease. And it reminded me of a show we did called Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, which is on the website. And it relates to reshaping our thinking in ways that can reduce the perception of pain. Well, there's a, a proven scientific theory on the fact that you can actually manipulate your subconscious, which actually translates into your physical body. So I did these writing exercises called focus wheels and written intentions. I use these written intentions and focus wheels and exercises to kind of reset my subconscious mind into believing that I was healed and that I was better. And things started to change. So I don't know why or how or what or if it was a combination of a lot of things, but if I said I am sick, then yeah, I'm going to stay sick. But if I kept saying I'm healing, I'm healed, I'm getting better, that language is so powerful and I cannot stress that enough. Mm -hmm. And I've taken out of my vocabulary my Lyme disease. It's not mine. I don't own it. I don't want to own it. And so the more I can reset my language, the more that my body will respond to that. So true. What we believe and what we express has a profound effect on how we feel. Now, Allie, when you were 18, your dad made a decision that changed your life. Tell us about what happened. Well, I had a nervous breakdown. I knew I was sick and I was trying to ask for help, but my brain couldn't communicate that in a normal way. Mm-hmm. Because my brain was like going on haywire. You know, I was crying out for help, and my father thought, okay, I'm going to help. I'm going to put her in a hospital, in a mental institution, because that's all we know how to do. Right. I was very angry and very confused at first. I mean, I had no idea why I was there, and that this I was completely misunderstood. But thank God, because the psychiatrist there, Dr. Ellen Shander, she completely saved my life and was able to pinpoint that the symptoms that I had been experiencing, physical, emotional, mental. And she sent me to certain doctors on the East Coast, and they all the blood tests came back off the charts Lyme disease. Wow. I mean, it really was fortunate that Dr. Shander recognized that you had the symptoms of, of Lyme disease or post-Lyme disease syndrome. How do you deal with the cyclical pattern of post-Lyme disease syndrome of, for example, feeling well, but then having a relapse and needing antibiotic therapy again? I mean, for example, you were taking four antibiotics at one time, and then you required an intravenous line for seven months of antibiotic therapy. This would be my pattern. And if I would go on the antibiotic, I would get really, really sick and have a flare-up. It's called a Herxheimer. Mm-hmm. And then 
after about two or three months, I'd start to feel a little bit better, stay on the antibiotics for another three months and feel fine. And I would go off of them. And then I would go back to work. I'd start a company. I'd start working for somebody else or whatever and run myself into the ground. And in the springtime, because I think the allergens in the air flare up Lyme disease, Mm -hmm. I would get sick again and try another treatment or go back on the same antibiotics or try a different doctor. And round and round the merry-go-round we went. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But, you know, that really reflects the unpredictability and life-changing effects of having post-Lyme disease syndrome, which is similar to any chronic pain condition that impacts us physically, mentally, and spiritually. Allie, before we close, what do you want all of us to know about Lyme disease? Lyme disease is one of the most complex, misunderstood, confusing diseases that I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. Lyme disease is now in 50 states and in 80 countries and affecting hundreds of thousands of Americans alone. And we really, really need to find a proper way to diagnose and test for this disease. Absolutely. But there's hope. There is hope. Absolutely. There's a lot of organizations out there. One of them is the Global Lyme Alliance, which is fantastic. And they're doing a lot um, right now to find these answers. And don't forget to check out Allie's book, Bite Me, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, and an audio tape version of the book is also available on Amazon. Allie Hilfiger, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Don't go away. After the break, Dr. Harriet Katsouris joins us once again. She's the Chief Scientific Officer for Global Lyme Alliance. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Teva, the leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Christo, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Dr. Harriet Kutsouris is a neurologist who's board certified both in neurology and internal medicine. Before joining Global Lyme Alliance, she practiced neurology for nearly 20 years in Stamford, Connecticut, dealing with the neurological complications of Lyme disease. Dr. Kutsouris, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Thank you for having me. On our last show... We talked about the reasons Lyme disease is spreading in America and beyond, what puts us at risk, and the best way to diagnose the disease, given that the test can be unreliable. Would you talk now about some of the typical symptoms, and specifically some of the typical neurological symptoms, of having Lyme disease and post-Lyme disease syndrome? Classically, uh, what we call central pain has been thought of as going hand-in-hand with post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome or chronic Lyme disease. Although there is pain, obviously, when you have joint aches and muscle aches early on and also during early and late dissemination. Early and late dissemination are also characterized by a lot of uh, perhaps neurological symptoms as well. And that can be painful or uncomfortable in its own way. Pins and needles burning in your hands and feet you know, are not exactly fun and could be classified under pain. Absolutely, and it's not fun at all. Mm-hmm. That's right. As Ali mentioned earlier, post-Lyme disease syndrome is cyclical. I mean, it waxes and it wanes. Yes. What are the current theories behind the cause of post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome or post-Lyme disease syndrome, given that there really is no evidence of ongoing infection? There are several camps. There's some people who feel that this is due to persistent infection, Mm -hmm. that the antibiotics did not eradicate the original infection thoroughly and that the organisms 
hid deeply in tissue and then just reactivated, rejuvenated uh, in response to stress, surgery, another intercurrent illness, you know, something like along those lines. Mm-hmm. And there's another camp that feels that this is an autoimmune or an immunological phenomenon. And then there are other people who think that it may be a combination of the two. Now, with respect to the persistent infection hypothesis, I believe that a persistent Borrelia burgdorferi organism has been found after antibiotic treatment in animals like the mouse, the dog, and the monkey, but it's been hard to confirm the same thing happening in humans. And with respect to the autoimmune disorder, that would imply that the immune system continues to activate harming tissues in the body even after the infection has cleared. Now, Harriet, could patients also, though, suffer from a different infection altogether that was transmitted by the tick? That's an excellent question because we didn't even touch on this. The tick is a cesspool of pathogens and what we call symbionts, all Mm -hmm. these viruses, parasites, other bacteria that are floating around in this tick belly full of blood. And when the tick bites you, if it has other pathogens or disease-producing organisms in it, it's going to pass those on to you too. That can thwart recovery if you treat the Lyme, but you don't treat the Mm co-infection. And those include babesiosis, Ehrlichia, Anaplasma, Bartonella, Tularemia. These are the ones we know about. And then, of course, we know about all those other viruses, Bourbon virus, Heartland virus, all of those that were spread and, and actually killed some people in the Midwest. Well, that's frightening, and it's frightening that they're often overlooked as co-infections. And the last hypothesis is that it may be due to something called a central sensitivity syndrome, which is an augmented pain and sensory processing system in the central nervous system that we think probably involves hyperactivated nerves in the central nervous system, leading to changes in certain neurotransmitters and synapses. An example of these conditions are things like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, irritable bowel syndrome, and migraine headache. A lot of these patients report hyperalgesia, which is hypersensitivity to noxious stimuli, and allodynia, which is pain to light touch, and even sensitivity to light and sound. And many patients with post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome report overlapping pain experiences and symptoms with other central sensitivity conditions. And therefore, one would think that many would meet the central sensitivity criteria. But they are distinct entities. We had uh, one of our researchers three years ago published a paper to that effect that showed that uh, patients with chronic fatigue syndrome and post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome had uh, unique proteins in their cerebrospinal fluid, mm-hmm. in their spinal fluid. Okay. This is Dr. Stephen Schutzer from Rutgers. And so even though the final common pathway may be the same, central sensitization, the cause and the pathogenesis, the actual pathological process that is created by these organisms will be different. Yes, they're distinct conditions, but have a lot of overlapping symptoms. What conditions can Lyme disease mimic? You'll be surprised to find out, and we'll share the details right after the break. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Medtronic, a global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. 
Visit TameThePain.com to learn about treatment options for chronic pain. Welcome back. You know, what's frightening is that once in the central nervous system, Lyme disease can cause symptoms that mimic other neurological diseases like multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, and even Alzheimer's disease. In fact, you know, Allie Hilfiger talked about being misdiagnosed with multiple sclerosis, mononucleosis, and fibromyalgia. Is this a common problem? Yes. If you were to look at a patient with Lyme disease who has neurological complications and central nervous system symptoms, the cranial MRI, the head MRI, may be virtually indistinguishable from patients with multiple sclerosis. Wow. The central nervous system is a sanctuary for these organisms. It can hide, it can evade the immune system attack, Mm -hmm. except for uh, cells in the nervous system known as microglia. And their proliferation and their action against the Lyme organism to try to kill it, get rid of it, can lead to further complications deleterious to the patient. And that can give rise to symptoms that mimic MS, Lou Gehrig's disease, Parkinson's, and even Alzheimer's. Well, I mean, it's pretty scary. Now, speaking of therapies and killing the organism, my understanding is that most patients are cured by three to four weeks of antibiotic therapy. Uh, Yes. In acute Lyme disease, three to four weeks of antibiotics will take care of 80% of the patients. Well, that's the good news. The bad news, though, is in up to 20% of patients, you can develop prolonged symptoms like fatigue, sleep disturbances, arthralgia, headache, and memory impairment. This condition is what's called post-Lyme disease syndrome. Now, there's been a lot of controversy over the duration of antibiotic therapy. We have researchers working on this. Pulse dosing of intravenous ceftriaxone may actually eradicate the persistent infection. And it may not take, all toll, more than, say, four to six weeks to get that accomplished. Mm -hmm. Continuous long-term antibiotic therapy is not helpful to the patient because all it does will be to select out a higher population of what we call high persister mutants. This is why we have to come up with better effective therapies for chronic Lyme disease that will involve antibiotics, but antibiotics in a certain dosage, combination, and duration. Okay, but if a patient has post-Lyme disease syndrome and they relapse, would you treat them again with antibiotics? Uh, Unfortunately, it doesn't appear that we have anything else right now to help them. All I can tell you anecdotally is that the vast majority of patients do feel better Mm -hmm. when they're retreated with antibiotics. Now, if we examine pain therapies for post-Lyme disease syndrome, how about the NSAIDs, like ibuprofen or naproxen? Yeah, I think they work very well. And they actually don't do a bad job for the nerve pain as well. How about steroids, oral or IV, or even around nerves? You have to be very careful with steroids. If there's any chance that there's an active infection or a dormant infection, giving steroids in the absence of antibiotics could reactivate the Lyme disease. So you have to be very cautious in the use of steroids. But the NSAIDs, very helpful. For joint and muscle pain? Yeah, they work for that, and they actually don't do a bad job for the nerve pain as well. And what other treatments have you found most helpful? Good nutrition, gentle exercise, adequate sleep, and psychological support, tricyclics, anti-epileptic medication. If you raise the body temperature to about 103 degrees, 
while on antibiotic therapy, cardiovascularly, it's, you know, you have to make sure that they're medically stable enough to do this kind of thing. It can enhance the kill-off of Borrelia burgdorferi because it does not like heat. Hmm. If I'd have to pick one thing that a Lyme patient needs to avoid, I have to say it's alcohol wow. because it weakens your immune system and any chance that the immune system has to fight the infection will be thwarted if you can continue to consume alcohol, mm-hmm. even on a random social basis. That should be taboo for a while. Well, that's important. And I know that transcranial electrical stimulation may be a potential treatment in the future. And speaking of the future, what's in store for us? I'm hoping that within five years, maybe if we're lucky, our organization will be put out of business because (laughs) we'll have a gold standard diagnostic test Uh and an effective treatment. It may be wishful thinking, but I'm, I'm going to remain optimistic. And me too. Dr. Harriet Kutsouris, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. Oh, you're very welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure too. And I hope we get the needed dollars to make it all happen. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Thanks for listening. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.